everyone. Hi and welcome to the Jack and Ian show. Today on the show, it is basketball season and baseball season now is really in full swing. It's got a nice little rhythm to it. First and foremost though, I mean, listen, I mean, we'll, we'll dive into basketball here in a minute, but speaking of diving, I'm going to talk to you a second. So this summer I'm working at a camp. Um, I'm going to be working on waterfront. So there's there's this swimming stuff I got to do, whatever, you know, I got to like be able to swim, whatever. I think it's 550 yards, which is a lot more than it sounds yeah. like. Like it sounds like a lot, but it's more than that yeah. even. Um, it's ridiculous. So I've been swimming a lot. So if I'm a little bit tired today, it's because I've been swimming the last two, three days in preparation for that. Um, my body is literally worn out. Like we're talking about like where, as far as workouts go, I mean, it is absolutely just ridiculous. I mean, I don't I, I've been swimming since last summer, man. And even then, like, whenever you go swimming, you know, it's always, like, in a pool or whatever. Yeah. And you swim not more than, like, 10 feet. Yeah. So, like, trying to swim, like, 550 yards consecutively just is horrifying. Um, it's tough. Um, anyway, let's go and jump into <laughs> basketball. I just had to get that out yeah, there. Throw no, that of out course, the world. Of um, now, the big news, at least for where we go to school, is Mike Miles returning to TCU. We would have talked about this last week, except we didn't do a show. Then we took a little bit of a break, so we might as well talk about it now. This is massive. Um, he was not necessarily the most efficient scorer, but he was the lead scorer for this team last year. Um, I mean, without him, the ball handling and just having a guy that can distribute and then just pick apart a defense uh, by just driving and kicking even, all that just goes away. Um, and then you got to fill it with guys like Damian Barr or whoever, and they're not going to be nearly as good. Mike is one of the best point guards in the country at being able to get to his spots. And so he would have been a massive loss. Uh, looked for a while there like he was really like gone, gone, and so it's kind of preparing for the worst. But him coming back is just massive. I mean, what was your reaction to this? I mean, I knew I was excited. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, when, when Mike Miles – you know, came out and was talking about him to, himself declaring for the draft, you know, and, and he, he came out and said that he's going to be both feet in. He's not going to, you know, kind of have one foot on either side of it and that he's going to go in um, all the way if he's going to be declaring. But um, I, I don't want to say luckily, but thankfully he's he's coming back to TCU because I think that would be a huge loss, just like you said, Jack. Um, but but really my, my, my initial reaction was, Good for him. I'm I'm glad that he's declaring for the draft, but mm. but at the same time, in terms of his full career, like his I, I guess his full career outlook, I think he will benefit so much from coming back for this next season. Yeah. A lot. I think he will benefit so much because just from what I've looked at, this year's NBA draft class is stacked. Yeah, um, no, it's it's really good. And I'm I'm not saying that Mike Miles is not a good basketball player and that he's not up to par with everyone up up there. But if he comes back this season, plays well, gets TCU back to the tournament, has good performances there, his draft stock is gonna increase so much, and even to the point where you know hopefully he would go as a first rounder, um, you know, at this time next year. So. Um, yeah, I, I, that's I was, the hope. Yeah. I mean, he he's got a lot to get better on. I mean, those shooting percentages are honestly mm-hmm. not good at all. Yeah, um, he was just not an efficient player. When he was good, he was really good. But yeah. there were a lot of games where he was like two he just for fourteen from the field, and that's just uh, terrible. I mean, no one 
no one can really afford to draft that when you got a pool of such talent. Um, uh, granted, there was a lot of injury issues he had last year, particularly with his shooting hand. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that definitely played a factor into it. Um, but uh, he needed to take a year because that, that, that is enough just from the eye test of just looking at his statistics of saying, no, he's no, not worth it. Yeah. You know, even if you do watch the film and see, man, this guy's got great potential, he's still going to be going, he's still a little bit older because he would have been a sophomore. So he would have had a year on freshman, which NBA scouts love the guys the younger they are because potential. Um, and then on top of that, he wasn't nearly as polished as a guy that did have two years of college under his belt mm-hmm. for a lot of guys. And so. Yeah, a lot of that was due to injury, but he's a guy that I don't think's nearly maxed out his full potential yet, even though he is a bit older. Um, so I think he's got to bank on that junior-senior year blossoming that we saw in a guy like Desmond Bain um, in his junior and senior year. And as we see with some other guys, Kendrick Davis is one from SMU, who's right now in the transfer portal. Um, you know, that, that's what he's got to be. He's got to be the guy that has a great junior and senior year Mm -hmm. and then goes in as a guy that can help a team uh, win immediately by contributing immediately and not being a project. And right now, he'd be a little bit older and he'd still be a project, and that's not going to sell in the NBA. Um, And so I think he made the right decision coming back. Um, TCU now is going to be returning all their starters, Mm -hmm. which is a great prospect going into next year. Um, It'll certainly make things more interesting. It'll make the team better. It'll make the season more fun, so I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward oh, to no, it. Oh, no, definitely. Um, but that's that's our, our, our big news on the TCU and college basketball front. But, um, Jack, I think you want to talk a little bit about NBA playoffs and the play-in and how, how things yeah. are going so far? No, the play-in is amazing. Um, it was this year, it was last year, and it was the year before. Um, the NBA, I mean, this is just a home run um, as far as concepts go. Because, um, I mean, every league kind of talks about tweaking tournaments or whatever, but this was kind of a big tweak. I mean, th- this is, you know, the last two teams that would make the tournament kind of being at risk of losing their spot, even though before they would have made it, no problems. Um, and so it makes for great basketball and great entertainment. Um, I mean, listen, that the there were a couple great games early on. I mean, that... T-Wolves-Clippers game was great. The Nets-Cavs game was great. And then Friday, the do-or-die games were awesome, too. I mean, the Pelicans-Clippers went back and forth. Um, You know, Pelicans ultimately were victorious in that one, but it was was close for a lot of the time. The Clippers doing that without Paul George, which was big news for them. And then the Cavaliers lost twice at home. Um, This is the first time they've really been in a playoff position in a while. So they didn't necessarily have the experience, and they've just been plagued by injury all year, so you kind of feel bad for them. But in a stacked East uh, with really nine good teams, they were the odd man out, so that was kind of unfortunate for them, but it was the way the cookie crumbled. Um, now the playoffs started Saturday. There's some great, great matchups going on. Uh, the Jazz Mavericks, that's 2-2, two, two, or 1-1 one one right now after the Jazz won the first one, the Mavericks won the second, and... That was that's an interesting series, obviously because the Dallas Mavericks are missing Luka Doncic with the calf strain injury. Um, we don't know necessarily when he's going to come back. The whole goal was to basically just tie everything down, bunker down until Luka gets back. And even though they were at home and Utah was able to flip the steer- series by stealing one on the road, 
just by winning one without the best player in the entire series is massive moving forward because, I mean, Dallas played better. Jalen Brunson had 41 points as a role player. Maxi Kleba played out of his mind. I think he hit eight threes or something ridiculous. I mean, Dallas's role players really stepped up. Um, I was never a fan of their role players, but, man, they, they played against a great Utah team and got the job done in Luka's absence, leading me to believe that it should Luka come back in game three or four. Um, it's really going to swing in favor of Dallas just in general because just if they if they went down 2-0 at home even without Luka, it'd be tough. Because then, even if they do get Luka back, I would feel like Utah would probably win at least one at home because they're at home. Mm-hmm. Then they're up 3-1. All they got to do is win one of the next four, three games, mm-hmm. win one of the next three games, yeah. and that would just seem far too doable I mean, obviously teams have blown 3-1 leads in the past, but, I mean, having it 1-1 right now is far better than 2-0 if you are Dallas, um, much less to make up when Luka does come back. Um, the next game was Memphis-Minnesota. Second chapter of that is tonight. This will be released after that game concludes. So just talking about game one here, um, that was not what I expected as a Grizzly fan whatsoever. Um they came out flat. Minnesota did not. Grizzlies had not played a meaningful game in three or four weeks because they'd locked up that two seed, and so they really had nothing to play for for quite some time. Well, Minnesota had everything to play for. They were playing for a playoff spot just earlier that week. And so part of it was, I think, that Memphis had been able to just rest their guys for too long almost. And the Timberwolves were able to be in a rhythm of playing competitive basketball and high-intensity games. And Memphis had not done that in quite some time. And I think that that caused them to come out flat. Um, I would not expect that to be the same tonight. We'll see, though. Um, they they just... The game really had no rhythm in it for either team, which benefited the Timberwolves, who have much better mismatches in at the half court. And that was why they won along with Memphis's lack of being able to hit outside shots. Now, also for the Timberwolves, Anthony Edwards just was amazing. Um, so was Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, both of them had fantastic games. Anthony Edwards being a second-year player, having, what, 36, 37 points. Yeah, 36 points. Yeah. Hitting just ridiculously tough shots. I mean, defensive assignment-wise, that's going to change. I would not expect him to have as big of a game probably the rest of the series, but in terms of setting a tone, it will make Memphis respect him the rest of the way. Um, and that is not something to be ignored because it's going to allow other players to do their thing now mm-hmm. um, because so much defensive focus will be on him. Next two games, 76ers up now 2-0 on the Toronto Raptors, blowing them out both times. This is a boring series. I haven't barely watched any of it. <laughs> As the 76ers shoot more free throws than any team in the association, I don't want to watch that. Um, plus the Raptors. I mean, they got, a, they got a cool team, but they just don't have anyone that's super fun on yeah. it. Um I, I am surprised, though. I thought Toronto was a sneaky pick to win this series. Um, so I thought that would include them probably stealing one of the first two. They're a well-coached team. I think their problem is a lot like the problem the New York Knicks had last year. When the playoffs come around, teams play their best players w- way more minutes. Most of the time, 40 or so minutes for the best players. Now, the problem Toronto's had is they've been doing that. They've been playing their players high 30 minutes, their best guys, 
And so in the playoff, they've been playing basketball rota- rotations for a while, mm-hmm. but no other team has. And so what ends up happening is is now these other teams ramp up their rotation, and now they're a lot better. Yeah. And so now it's stiffer competition than they're used to because you're used to the starters used to play the bench for probably like ten minutes of a game, you know. And so that's ten minutes where you have an advantage of having a better player on the floor. But now that's that 10 minutes is no longer there, and it's resulting in the 76ers dominating the series so far. Now, 76ers do have the best player in the series, and Joel Embiid, so I think they'll probably wrap it up in five or so. I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto got one. I mean, they're a well-coached team. They're a good team. they got great players, but it's going to end sooner than later. Speaking of great teams, uh, my goodness, have the Golden State Warriors hit their stride at the right time. I mean... Really. I mean, last night, I believe, what, there was the 10-minute stretch. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you were watching as a Warrior fan. Yeah. There was the 10-minute stretch where they had Poole, Wiggins, Curry, Thompson, and Green on the floor. And I believe they scored, it might, it might have been more than 10 minutes. There was one stretch where they had them on the floor and they accounted for 41 mm-hmm. points without rotation. Yeah. Was it 10 minutes? I think so, yeah. Which is ridiculous. I think they were 17 for 22 shooting. That's off the top. That number's off the top of my mm-hmm. head. Um, but that sounds right if they're scoring 41 points in t- seven in 10 yeah. minutes. I mean, I, they're going to use that rotation a lot more. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about it working. I mean, Denver's probably got the best player in the series, though. Jokic is yeah. probably the most skilled guy in the NBA, and he's seven feet tall. So he's great, but besides him, they got nobody. Yeah. Um, not without Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. or any of those guys. So, I mean, th- this was kind of destined to happen, it felt like. I mean... The Warriors had way too much firepower, even though the Nuggets have probably the arguably the best player in the series. Steph Curry, obviously, is really, really, really good, yeah. too. difference is he's coming off of injury, yep. which is why he's probably not the best player in the series. Um, but the ascension of Jordan Poole has been something to watch, man. I mean, Dude's what are your special. thoughts on that? Oh, he, he he's such a special player. Um, I mean, he, even, gosh, I, I think it was about a month ago, maybe a month or month and a half ago, but I was watching him. Um, against the Mavs down at uh, down at the American Airlines Center, and and th- this guy is great. I mean, again, he he's no Steph Curry, but he's a great number two to put in there if you yeah. need him. Um, Especially yeah. with Clay Thompson with the injury stuff yep. not being able to carry as much weight as he used to. Yeah, Wiggins can be a guy that gets twenty a game, yeah. and then Wiggins s- is on and off sometimes. Yeah, know? he's le- I I would be. He'd, he'd be the guy. Him and Draymond are the guys I'm not worried about in the yeah. rotation. Yeah. Um, the thing I worry about with that lineup is rebounding, which mm-hmm. will be interesting yes. if they end up playing Memphis in the next round because Memphis is the best rebounding team in the league. Yeah. Um, so that where that be interesting. Memphis has struggled. Obviously, I'm getting ahead of myself here. These here these this is only yeah, yeah, played yeah. two games. Memphis only played one. But um, we'll assume the two higher seeds win. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be interesting because Memphis has struggled with the three point shooting in Minnesota. They shoot more threes than any other team. But on the other hand, if they, which they would obviously be a struggle against Golden mm-hmm. State, a team that is very efficient from three with great three-point shooters. But it'd be interesting when they go small ball if they'd be capable of being able to kind of tussle with a team like the Grizzlies. Yeah, and I, a guy like Stephen Adams. Yeah, um, it, it just would be fascinating to see how that would be dealt with. Yeah, in terms of being able to get rebounds, you know? No, I, I agree. Um, I mean, just, just from experience from just watching the Warriors over, I mean, ever since they, they went on their 
what four four NBA Finals in in five years or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, they are a team that really that 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 tend to give up second chance points due to poor rebounding. And the thing is, if you look at this team, it's the same team that was right back then, all apart. I mean, everyone's there, including Draymond, Clay, Steph, mm-hmm. and then I mean. Th- Sorry, those are your three that are still there. Then, right. Then there's room for two more other guys. But if you have those three there, I mean, none of those guys, are, uh, except for Draymond Green, are particularly good rebounders, you know? Yeah. Um, and and I, 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 I'm a big believer in the fact that second chance points, giving up second chance points can be the death of a team sometimes. I mean, yeah. and, and, and it was when the Warriors were playing the the Cavs when they lost um, in the finals and that was the same case when we played the the Raptors in the finals and lost yeah um, it's it's just the same story so and that'd be an interesting series too because the Grizzlies have been a team that has had the Warriors number as much yeah. as about you can't have the Warriors obviously are a great team they win mm-hmm. a good bit of the time still mm-hmm. um, when they play the Grizzlies but in terms of it feels like percentage wins against teams just in general yeah as far as franchises go it feels like Memphis has kind of got a formula a little Mm -hmm. bit at least to hang around oh like a lot of the times they do win it's very very close which is the case a lot of times in the playoffs Mm -hmm. but even then um it just is like it it just feels like they got a little bit more of an edge than some other teams do so that'd be an interesting series should it happen definitely now one that's also uh very interesting to me probably the best series going right now is brooklyn boston for a 2-7 series, this is about as even as it gets. I'd be shocked if this didn't go to six or seven games. Celtics won the first game on a Jason Tatum buzzer beater. Yeah. Kevin Durant got caught looking a little bit. Um, you know, he, he should know better than that. But that was still an unbelievably good game, an unbelievable ending. And it's going to be one good series, I'll tell you that much. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Both those teams, awesome. Jason Tatum's awesome. Kevin Durant's awesome. Kyrie Irving's awesome. I could keep going oh, yeah. along with... I mean, Marcus Smart just won Defensive Player of the Year. There are a bunch of great players in the series that are fun to watch. Um, a lot of... One series that's very interesting to me is uh, the Hawks' Heat. They're a game that's going on as we speak right now, actually. Um, I don't expect the Heat to win the series, but the Hawks are a team that made the East Finals last year with a very, very similar roster. I wouldn't be too surprised if the Hawks were able to steal one or two of these games and take it to maybe six or even seven. I think the Heat are the better team. They got the better players. But that that's just one to keep an eye on moving forward because Trey Young's a guy that will have at least one or two games in this series. We has 40-something. So yep. that'll be one to keep an eye on. Uh, another one that's interesting, Bulls-Bucks. Bulls hung around far more than people expected, the first game being very low-scoring. Bulls have been on a skid the second half of the season with injuries and such. Bucks obviously winning the NBA title last year. Um, Bulls hung around more than I thought, but they they just don't have anybody that I think is going to be able to stop Giannis long-term, and Budenholzer's too good of a coach. Bucks will win this series in probably five, if not four. They might sweep them. Um, Speaking of sweeps, Suns-Pelicans have been going on. It's another game that is tonight. The Suns are the obviously better team here as the Pelicans squeaked in at the end. Uh, yeah, Phoenix is one of this in four, <laughs> maybe five if they happen to give up one game near the end when it's like 3-0 or something. 
or if the Suns are off and the Pelicans just happen to be on one day. But I can't imagine this going more than five. Mm-hmm. Um, I would expect it to go four um, as the Pelicans and Suns play. So that's what I got for the NBA so far. It's been an eventful playoffs. I would oh, yeah. expect for it to continue to be eventful um, as that continues to unfold. Yeah. Now, shifting gears here into baseball, it's been baseball season. Yeah. Ian, uh, how are you feeling about how everything's been going so far? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm just excited that baseball's back, really. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just stoked that baseball's back. You know, obviously there is that lockout for, for a little bit. But now that it's back, I mean, there's, there have just been some great matchups so far. I mean, there's, there's two matchups. Um, well, what? One actually tonight and one tomorrow for this Giants and Mets series that I just can't wait for. But no, I mean baseball has been delivering um, left and right so far, and and the season has just started. So um, I I do want to run through just a couple of I, I guess you can call them surprising teams and disappointing teams. I just have one of each, but I want to start off with the Giants here. You know the 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 mm. Giants just like last season, no one expected them to do what they did. They were they came out of nowhere. I think they they won what a uh, hundred and six games was it? Yeah, they were great. Um, and so they were fantastic last year. Obviously, they lost um, Buster Posey, which that was huge. Um, but this year, um, after after eleven games, they they're they're actually seven and four. And so I think I I really think this Giants team is underrated, and I, and, and and I can see the same thing happening this year as it did last year, where. They're kind of one of those wild card teams in that um, NL West. I mean, obviously the NL West is just absolutely stacked with the, with with the Dodgers. Um, the Rockies are actually seven and three right now, which is um, extremely surprising. But yeah, I mean, I I really think the Giants can do something special. They've got two great starters right now um, between Logan Webb and Carlos Rodon. Having that kind of one two punch for you, it's it it is just insane. I mean. Logan Webb hasn't lost a game since May 5th of 2021. Yeah. So that's almost been a full year of either wins or no decisions. And, I mean, he, he's had two starts already this season, and within those two starts, he's gone 14 innings. He's given up nine hits, only two earned runs, no homers, two walks total, but he struck out 10 um, with, a, with an ERA of 1.29. So... That's a great start. And then Carlos Rodon, obviously, he just um, got traded and signed by the Giants. Um, he was with the Chicago White Sox last year. Um, he threw a no-hitter last year pretty early on in the season. And he, he's been off to a great start as well. Um, in his two starts, I mean, he's got 12 innings pitched, um, given up only two runs. He's barely walked anybody. He's walked four people, and he has 21 strikeouts. So... Um, he had nine strikeouts against the Indians um, back on the 15th, and, and then in his debut with the Giants, he had 12 in five innings. And, I mean, this guy's special. So mm. Giants, I think, are loving life right now. Hopefully for the Giants, this can continue. Hopefully it's not just a fluke start because um, I think the Giants are definitely a team to be on the lookout for. Um, and then in terms of teams that are, I guess, disappointing, you can say um, – the Texas Rangers are on my list. Um, they're two and seven right now, and for a team that spent five hundred million dollars in the offseason to be two and seven after nine games, that's disappointing. Um, granted, they're in a very difficult division um, in the AL West with the Astros, the Angels, 
and the Mariners. Obviously, the A's are in there as well. But, mm. I mean, right now the A's are one game over five hundred. but I don't see that, you know, carrying on. Um, but the, the Rangers being 2-7 and seven right now just doesn't make any sense. Um, they spent $325 million on Corey Seager, um, and they spent 125 or $150 million on Marcus Simeon. Simeon right now is really struggling. I think last time I checked, he's batting 128. He's 5-for-42 he's so far. Um, so um, his struggles are continuing right now with the Rangers, and the only bright spot that I really see is that Corey Seager is is having a great start to the season. I mean, he's he's been the brightest spot for this Rangers team, um, especially because the Rangers pitching staff is is struggling completely this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they've given up four runs in each of their first uh, nine games this season, um, and and it's just bad. I mean, I don't think anybody expected this Rangers team to be particularly fantastic, but after nine to ten games seeing them at a record of two and seven, that was unexpected. Right. And again, I, I think it, this conversation kind of goes back to the fact that the AOS is just so competitive. Mm-hmm. Um especially this year with the Mariners, the Angels and the um and the Astros. But you know, it's it's just going into the season everyone was like, okay, you added Simeon, you added Corey Seager, you have guys like Adelise Garcia, um but where's the pitching? There's nobody there that's a solid pitcher. Um, obviously, they got John Gray from the Colorado Rockies, and so far, I mean, he's only pitched one or two games. I think his second game is actually going on right now, or it's going to be sometime tonight. But if John Gray's your only good starter, then you're screwed. If you only have one solid starter, mediocre starter at the best, you're not going to be able to go far in the season. Um and on top of that, the Texas Rangers bullpen is atrocious as well. So this is a team that's going to have to rely on the long ball, and they're going to have to rely on Marcus Simeon to, to actually step up if they want to see and actually experience any success because this Rangers team isn't going to win games um, pitching. They just aren't. And and most, most of the time when you see teams, they either have a great starting rotation and not the best bullpen, or they have a mediocre starting rotation, and a very solid, uh, dependable bullpen. For the Rangers, it's terrible on both ends. So they're my disappointing team to start the season. Um, but again, they're in a very difficult... Um, they're in a very difficult... Um, oh my God, what is it? Comp- or division. Division. I'm so sorry. And that, I mean, that's the case yeah. a lot of the times with a team that might be good mm-hmm. and a team with a good division. I mean, look at the... Uh, uh, you know, you got the Cardinals, uh, the 49ers, um, all those teams, mm-hmm. the Seahawks. I mean, they used to be good at least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, used to be, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that whole division, I mean, in the NFL, there are plenty of teams that are, I mean, those they, they have a con, they have, their division is all good, yeah. you know. And yet, a lot of the times, their record does not reflect how talented that team yeah. is or how good that coaching is. Yeah. Because they play against such good competition week in and week out because of what their division is. And the same thing's true in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get stuck in a bad division like they are, yeah. and it just becomes so much tougher Yeah. Um, throughout the season. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this team hit their stride, maybe were able to sneak yeah. it uh, to the playoffs at a back spot and then make a run. You mm-hmm. know, these, these, this is the type of team to do it. So. Yep. No, exactly. And and I, I think people need to realize, especially just, just general baseball fans that just look at the Rangers' record um, and see that they're 2-7. and seven. The thing is, 
even though you spend five hundred million dollars in the off season, like I mean, you're you're gonna expect to see improvement and you're gonna expect to see results. Right. That's a given. But you need to understand that two guys, Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, aren't gonna lead these the, this this Rangers team to a championship. They're not gonna lead this Rangers team to an AOS division title. Um, this is a rebuild, and those two guys are going to be there for all of it. And this rebuild could take two years, three years, could take up to four or five years. Um, we'll see. Hopefully for Rangers fans, they're hoping that it'll take, you know, hopefully two to three seasons max, and that they'll be at the top of the AL West, hope, ho- hopefully winning uh, divisions left and right. But, again, this is this is a process. It's not just spend 500 mil and let's go win this yeah. entire thing. Um, again, I think your casual baseball fans that just look at this record and see a 2-7 and seven are going to say, WTF, what, what's going on right now? And, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you can say that. I, I think 2-7, and seven, I don't think 2-7 and seven is an accurate reflection. I, I, I think Rangers could be maybe 4-5 and five instead, but it is what it is. But... The Rangers, I, I have no doubt that the Rangers will hit their stride, just like Jack said, um, yeah. sometime soon. Um, moving on now, I do want to talk about a couple young rookies that are finding their way pretty well so far in their major in their debut seasons in the major leagues. Um, first off, I want to start with Seiya Suzuki. Seiya Suzuki um, just came over from Japan. He's one of the he he was one of the biggest prospects coming from Japan, and the Cubs picked him up. Um, he's just been ridiculous so far. He has an average of 429 on base percent on base percentage of 564. Um, he has 11 RBIs, nine runs, and four homers. Um, you know, he he he's just someone that adds so much to this Cubs lineup, especially considering that this Cubs team has lost a lot of players over the last season or or, or two. You know, namely Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo last season when they left. The Cubs, but Seiya Suzuki has been just insane, and um, you know I, I think that it's an interesting talking point because it is his rookie season in the MLB. But people need to remember that he's been playing like he, he's been playing in Japan for a couple of years now. So it's not necessarily like this is his this is just his first season, mm-hmm. but but no matter what, coming into the MLB. And batting 429 after about 10 to 11 games, that's fantastic. Um, Then I did want to mention another player that I'm sure many of you have seen um, on social media. um, But Stephen Kwan is someone that has caught the eyes of lots of fans. Um, I forget what the number is, but he had, I think, he had seen 115 total pitches um, so far this season. And he had not had a swing and miss. So he either watched, he either saw the ball go in for a strike or a ball, or every time he swung, he made contact, mm. and that's that. That statistic in itself is just unbelievable. The fact that you can have 115 <laughs> straight pitches and not swing and miss once. Um, he act, that that streak was broken though, um, as TCU alum uh, Nick Lodolo actually um, struck Stephen Kwan out. But Stephen Kwan's been on a great run so far with the uh, Cleveland Guardians. Um, he's got an average of 385. He's he's 10 for 26. Um, he has an on-base percentage of 541. Um, five RBIs. He's only struck out twice so far, and he has eight walks. And so Stephen Kwan, he's not someone that is going to hit for power at all. 
but he's someone that is a contact hitter and can get on base. Someone that's going to walk a lot. Um, he's got a great eye, um, as it seems right now, because the the dude can't miss. <laughs> I mean, he, he really can't. He knows where the zone is, and it's working well for him right now. So he's been on a roll, just like, say, a Suzuki. Um, and then I did want to wrap up the, the, the show with one little note that I just found out a couple days ago. Um, 20-year-old sensation in the Japanese baseball league, Roki Sasaki, just threw a perfect game and had 19 strikeouts Jeez. in his season debut. Now, in his next start, he throws eight perfect innings, 102 pitches, and he gets pulled. No. <laughs> so That's then, a lot of innings in a row. Oh, yeah, though. it I is. Mean, that, no, no, it is. I'm surprised they played him. Jeez, yeah. that's ridiculous, though. But basically, so what, so what, what was it? 17 perfect innings. Granted, he threw 102 pitches in eight innings, and I, I, I understand them taking him out because they don't want him to get injured or anything at the start of the season. Just He's too good. No, I <laughs> know, exactly. But, but it's funny because this is kind of what we saw with Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers when he played the Twins in his, in, in his season debut. He went seven innings, seven perfect innings. Um, I think he was at 77 pitches or 74 pitches. Pulled him. And the Dodgers pulled him. And, you know, I... The the fan in me says you can't pull someone when they've got seven perfect innings. But then again, with with the abbreviated spring training, um, the last thing the Dodgers want is for their ace to get injured. Yeah. Um, but but anyways, I, I thought I would mention that. But Roki Sasaki, remember the name, threw a perfect game with 19 strikeouts and followed up that start with eight perfect innings. So Jeez. That was quite the performance <laughs> by Roki Sasaki. But... Uh, that is going to be the end of the show, though, for tonight. Um, we did want to thank you guys for tuning in once again. Um, we really appreciate the support that you guys have been giving us. Um, it, it, it really just keeps us going, um, um, and, and, and we can't be grateful enough. So thank you so much for watching. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Jack and Ian Show for more content. Make sure to subscribe down below if you want to see more content like this. But until next time, I think we're done. Yep. Thank right. you all. See you guys later.